0: Good morning, North Point. It is great to see you here this morning. As Grant mentioned, we are continuing our series on mission. And as he mentioned, Eric, Josiah, and Chris are in Utah right now. We're praying for them as as they are uh, there with one of our former church members And uh, looking forward to hearing, you know, what God does while they are there. This morning, um, I have a quick poll so that I can get a feel for the audience that we have here with us this morning. So, by a show of hands, who has ever dripped, who has ever dove off of the high dive at a swimming pool? That's it? Okay. All right. This could be interesting. Who has ever been on a roller coaster? A roller coaster that has loops and you go upside down? All right. Somebody said no? (laughs) Okay, who's gone skiing? And let me start with water skiers. Who are my water skiers? Who prefers snow skiing? Okay, me too. Me too. Who has been snorkeling? Take it up a notch. Who has gone scuba diving? We have a few. I know Ray's not with us today. He's my scuba diver in my Sunday school class. I have not done that. Who has jumped out of a plane and gone skydiving? We have a few. My goodness, not for me. We definitely have some people that are up for an adventure. This morning, we're going to be looking at a brief account found in Matthew chapter 14. So if you want to get your Bibles, turn there. We'll spend most of our time this morning in that text. As you're turning there, too often the story of Peter walking on the water focuses on the failure that he experiences. And while there was a moment of failure in this passage, I don't want it in any way to overshadow the true miracle of what happened in that moment. Read with me from uh, Matthew chapter 14. Starting with verse 22 immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side While he dismissed the crowd after he had dismissed them. He went up on the mountainside by himself to pray Later that night he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it shortly before dawn Jesus went out to them walking on the water When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught him, and said, You have little faith, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they landed at Jacinorat. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word that is truth in our lives. We thank you, Lord, that it is a lamp to our feet. I pray this morning that you would open up our hearts and our minds to your word and this incredible story of Peter walking on the water towards you. I pray this in your son's name. Amen. In John Ortberg's book, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat, he looks at this passage in depth. And the verse 22 starts with the word immediately, so it's important that we take one step back and look and see what what is occurring right before this passage starting with verse 22. In Matthew 14, 31 through 21, we read the account of Jesus feeding the 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish. Each of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each give the account of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Each of the Gospels also describe Jesus walking on the water towards the boat. But only Matthew gives us a glimpse of what Peter does in response. But before we look at Peter, I want to look at Jesus and see what he is doing. In verse 22, we should read, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Rather than celebrate the latest miracle and spend time with his disciples, his friends, Jesus went away to be with the Father. He wanted to go alone to pray. And in that moment, he was thanking the Father for the calling that he had put on his life. He was thanking him for the friends that he had brought around him to walk in this journey with him. He was praying for strength, praying for clarity in the calling that God had put on his life, on his mission. And he was quiet before the Father and listened. The disciples began their voyage across the sea, and we are told that the wind began to increase during the fourth watch, which would have been about 3 o'clock in the morning. In fact, one translation of Matthew's account reads that the, the winds tormented the boat. As the winds howled, they saw a figure walking towards them, and they became afraid. And here's a part that really puzzles me. These disciples had just seen Jesus turn five loaves of bread and two fish into a seafood buffet feeding 5,000 people. And yet, they were afraid. Jesus, sensing their fear, spoke to them and said, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And here's where we begin to get a glimpse of the character of Peter. There's so many ways to describe this amazing disciple. He was bold, he was enthusiastic. Peter was brash, strong-willed, and impulsive. On the Mount of Transfiguration, as Jesus, Moses, and Elijah appeared before Peter, James, and John, Peter suggested to Jesus that they should build altars and create a holy place. And a voice from the heavens, God interrupts him and says, this is my beloved son, With whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. In other words, shut your mouth, Peter, and be in the moment. At the Garden of Gethsemane, surrounded by guards who were prepared to arrest Jesus, Peter grabs a sword and whacks off the ear of one of the soldiers. Jesus reaches down, picks up the ear, puts it back on the soldier's head. And I can imagine him saying, Be patient with him. He's a work in progress. Back on the water, once Peter realized it was Jesus, given his impulsive nature, it would have been very fitting for him to just jump in the water and start swimming towards Jesus. Very similar to Forrest Gump jumping out of his shrimp boat to swim to Lieutenant Dan. And yet, in that moment, Peter stopped. Not normal given his tendency to be impulsive. He said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And in a word, Jesus said, come. His nature would have been to just jump into the situation, but he, I think he realized that something amazing was about to happen. Some may view this as a green light to take risks. But because Peter Took that moment of pause it became a story of obedience as he responded to Jesus's invitation to come to him. He discerned what was an impulse and contrasted that to what was an authentic call on his life from God and he responded in obedience. A risk for no reason is foolishness. Action in obedience is what God calls us to do. It's a wise choice. This passage isn't take, is isn't not teaching us to take risks, but instead to be obedient, to listen, and to act. When Christ calls us and puts a calling on our life, we need to be ready for a faith walk. Peter does take an incredible risk by stepping out of the boat. But the key here is that he does not dip one toe into the water until he had the invitation from Jesus to come. If Jesus was not near the boat, if Jesus did not put that invitation out to him, it would have been foolishness for him to step out. But when God calls us, new possibilities are opened. Before we receive a call in our life, God equips us. While Peter is often viewed as bold and aggressive, other prominent figures in faith are less hesitant to jump in. We look at Isaiah, Moses, and Gideon. Each felt unqualified to carry out the task that God was calling them to do. And as God reminded them, and as he reminds us today, He prepares us for the calling that he puts on our lives. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul reminds us that as believers, we are equipped with spiritual gifts. God took the time to create each one of us uniquely with talents, with gifts, with likes and dislikes, and passions. And why? Well, according to Paul, for the common good. And what is that common good? It's the building of God's kingdom. We are uniquely created by God in preparation for the calling that He puts on our lives. Students, many of you, as you begin this school year, you're asking the question God, what do you want me to do? What are you calling me to do? The big question What is your will for my life? Students, you're not alone. There are many adults that are still asking that question each and every day. And here's the answer. You are on mission from God. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light in a dark place. You're the love of your Father. And he's called you to go and show that love. To show it to your friends. To your church members, to your neighbors, to the students sitting alongside you at school, to the colleagues at work. Here's your mission straight from the one that we follow. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Spirit and the Holy Son. The Holy Spirit and the Son teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's Matthew 28, 18, 20, the Great Commission. There's your calling. To use the gifts, the talents, and abilities that God has given you to act in obedience and to impact the world. Jesus invites you just as he invited Peter to get out of the boat And come to him. Continuing in verse 29. Then Peter got down out of the boat. Walked on the water. And came towards Jesus. We don't have an account of how long or how far Peter walked on the water. But we do know that he did it. He experienced the wonder. The exhilaration of walking on water. In that moment, Peter knew the joy and the freedom Of experiencing God's power and being obedient to God's call. As many of you know, I was recently in Africa. I'll be sharing a little bit more about that trip a little bit later in the message, but one of the highlights for me was the opportunity to meet a man named Dr. Jonathan Pons. He is an ophthalmologist and an ENT, as if being an ophthalmologist wasn't enough. Um, he was called at a young age to be a medical missionary. He knew that God was calling him to do that, and he has spent much of his adult life serving in Eswatini and Mozambique, treating the underserved population, meeting medical needs there. A friend of mine, Hal, and I had the opportunity to spend time with uh, Dr. Pons and his assistant, Joanne, and learn about their dream, the calling that God has put on their life, to build a surgery center in Northeast Eswatini. And we have been in dialogue with them about how we can help with that effort, how we can get partners to come alongside and make that dream a reality. In our conversations, we found out that he is a pilot and has a small plane. Hal, my friend, is also a pilot and found that out. And Dr. Pond said, hey, would you like to go up and fly? We were said, absolutely, it's a beautiful day, let's go up. As we reached the hangar, we realized that it was a two-person plane, so I was picked to go first, and then Hal would follow. And as we begin to take off on a grass runway, we have to stop the plane, and Dr. Pons motions to his son, who gets on a horse and rides up ahead of us to move a buffalo off of the runway. So we taxi up to where the buffalo was, and turn around and begin our drive down the runway. We take off and it was quite amazing. Next to being about 20 feet from a lion, probably the most exhilarating thing on that trip. As we fly over the border of Mozambique, he said, Brad, are you a pilot? I said, no. He said, have you ever flown a plane? I said, no. And I am eagerly waiting on the next question. Would you like to fly? absolutely I would love to fly and he walks me through taking controls of the plane banking to the right and back to the left taking a dive going back up it was an amazing experience and it was an open door to an adventure that I'll never forget now it would have been foolish for me to simply take control of the plane without him asking me to do it but he gave the invitation and I accepted again creating a moment that I'm never going to forget this is as close as that I can get as understanding what Peter experienced when Jesus looked at him and said come to me on the water Peter take a walk a moment that I believe launched Peter's ministry An event that gives credence to why Jesus called Peter the rock upon which I will build my church. Acting in obedience and living out the calling that Jesus put on his life. I imagine what must have been going through Peter's mind. I can't believe it. I actually got out of the boat. They didn't think I would do it, but I did it. I didn't know I could do it, but I did This is the hardest, most amazing thing I've ever done in my life. I was afraid to step out, but here I am walking on the water. I have no idea how, but it's working. I understand now he truly is the one. I am doing what Jesus is doing. I am walking in the footprints of the Son of God on water. For many years, Kelly and I had the opportunity to teach students here at North Point. And as I met with the middle school boys, we would often talk about the potential of a huge video screen in heaven where we could one day be able to view some of the amazing moments in history, creation, Moses parting the Red Sea, David defeating Goliath, and for me, I want to see this moment of Peter walking on the water. But not just Peter. I want to see the look on Jesus' face and his reaction to the level of trust that Peter put in him in that moment. Getting out of the boat was Peter's gift to Jesus, walking on the water was Jesus' gift to Peter. Oh, how I want to experience that kind of trust. And that kind of faith if you've ever water skied or snow skied and there are many of you that have done this you understand the rush that it brings as you're gliding across the water or going down the slopes on the snow and whether you're weaving back and forth going across the wake or skis are just pointed straight down going down a black diamond The adrenaline is flowing, your heart is pounding, your mind and body are telling you, this is not a normal way to get from point A to point B. But you also know the moment that you're in trouble. One ski starts to jiggle a little bit, and you start to correct, so you lean to the other side, and now that ski starts to pick up, so you balance and lean back to the other side, and it takes a bit, but ultimately you're down. Other times, it's quite immediate. You're gliding along, the next thing you know, you face plant. It's immediate failure. I think that Peter's experience was something in between a gust of wind, a splash of seawater to his face, and he looks away from Jesus and begins to panic. And the next thing he knows, he's sinking and crying out, Lord, save me. Perhaps he lost his balance because of the wind or because of the water hitting him in the face. But what we do know is he took his eyes off of Jesus. As I said at the beginning, I do not want this momentary failure to overshadow his obedience and the brief miracle that occurred as he walked. Remember there were 11 other disciples who stayed in the boat. I can only imagine the thoughts that they were having as Peter stepped out. So often we allow the potential of failure to stop us before we even begin a journey that could be life-changing. Not only for you, but for someone else. We could change the world. We could engage people into spiritual conversations. We could see lives change through a relationship with Jesus Christ. We could magnify our holy God. You see, you'll never find success unless you're willing to go where failure is a distinct possibility. Success and failure are very close neighbors. And if you were to ask Peter, was it worth the risk after wiping off his face and spitting the sea water out of his mouth, I think he would say, Let's do it again. However, this time, I won't take my eyes off of Jesus. In life, we have a choice. We can focus on the Savior, or we can focus on the storms that surround us. It's important to note the fact that Peter sank is not a reason to stay in the boat. Peter didn't sink because he got out, he sank because he took his eyes off of Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We need to develop and build into a laser beam focus on Jesus. There's nothing wrong with getting out of the boat as long as we keep that focus on him. Psalms 23 reminds us, that God is with us in the good and the bad, through the good weather, through the bad, through the hills, and through the valleys. And when Peter began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me, Jesus immediately reached down and pulled him from the stormy seas. The text from Matthew gives us a glimpse of the conversation. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? sure Peter was a little overwhelmed at what had just occurred. And I can imagine Jesus carrying him as they walked back to the boat. Jesus saying, Peter, look at the guys in the boat. They didn't step out. They didn't walk on water. You did. I am so proud of you. Thank you for trusting me. As many of you know, I work with an organization called Streets of Africa. Our goal and mission is to raise money, funds in the United States for projects in Africa. And since our inception, we've had three primary areas where we deliver funds for projects. We deliver mosquito nets to help fight malaria. Over one million women and children every year dying from mosquito bites. Secondly, we work with organizations to build and maintain orphanages. And third, we work with organizations that provide clean water projects throughout Africa. In 2006, God called me on a faith journey, and it started with me watching an interview with Bono, lead singer for U2, one of my favorite bands. And as Bono spoke... From Africa he explained some of the visions that he was seeing as he was there some of the experience he had the people that he was meeting and then he made a reference to stupid poverty and that caught me as he said that that it's a little offensive and he went on to explain in no way am I calling these people stupid what I am doing is saying there's generational ignorance that has led to sickness and to death And we as believers are called to come and help, to educate, to train, to create a new understanding how to do things to prevent the sickness, to prevent the death. I sat there weeping as I watched this interview. For the next 90 nights, I woke up every night. And yes, I'll admit right now, this was not first time obedience. It took 90 nights. I would wake up and I would just hear God's voice saying two words, do something. Those first few weeks I would set up, I would say a prayer, pray for people to go and make an impact in Africa, pray for Bono for his one organization. They were raising millions of dollars and they can handle the problem. I'll just pray for them. God continued to wake me up and say, do something. In the next few weeks, I began to get up in the middle of the night, get my laptop and research. How can we raise money? How can we get mosquito nets there? What are the logistics of it? I still wasn't being obedient. On day 90, I woke up and I said, God, I don't know what you're calling me to do, but I hear you saying do something, and I surrender to you, Lead me and guide me. And over the next few months, working with several men, we created this organization, Streets of Africa. We continue to raise money now, and we work with partner organizations who have a presence both here in the United States administratively, but also have feet on the ground in Africa. In December, I received an invitation from one of our partners, the Eswatini Partnership, inviting me to go And spend some time in Eswatini to see the work that is being done. And I must say it was very humbling to go there and see firsthand the impact that our faithful supporters, including North Point, have made in the lives of the people in Eswatini. This morning, I want to introduce you to several people who have experienced getting out of the boat Edie Lindgren is one of our faithful members here at North Point, has led a small group of uh, s- girl students for many, many years. She recently went to Africa and, and spent time at Center Wheel, an orphanage in Kenya. So as Edie's coming up, have a couple of questions for her about her trip. I think we're also going to have a few pictures from her trip. Edie, first of all, how
1: did God call you to go to Kenya? So, I always, I'm a people person, I love people, I have a big heart for people, so it's easy for me to just say, sure, I'll go. However, you have to listen to God. And so this trip had been presented to me many occasions over many years, and the door always closed. And I always had opportunities to go with a friend um, what these other trips. Well, lo and behold, it presented itself again And uh, initially I said yes, and then I said no, it's way too expensive and I would be going alone, well, not alone, but with a whole group of strangers. Um, But then I prayed and I said yes, I'm gonna go and God made that very apparent for me. He uh, opened every single door, was able to fundraise 100% of my trip uh, through you guys and uh, outside sources. So again, I just um, say, You know, you just have to, it's okay to say to go, but definitely make sure God is really telling you to go.
0: Yeah. And how did you see God at work while you were at Center Will?
1: So, in so many ways, when I came back from my trip, um, people would say, you know, how was your trip? And the thing is, most of that time is in passing. And I I didn't really have words to articulate. Like, there's not enough words to say, you know, like, I almost couldn't, like, I was at a loss for words, really. Just, like, I am almost, like, not worthy of the words, I guess, in a sense. Like, these people really blessed me far more than we ever could bless them. Um, But one little spill we had is this kid who started out at Center Wheel. At Center Wheel, if you're part of their mission, they get you all the way through college. So this kid um, was at his end of college, getting funding. He'd finished college and so he didn't have a job. He, it's really hard to find job work there. He does photography on the side, but he was having to lease his camera. And this couple that was on our trip with us um, actually brought a camera that they had gotten, a very high-end camera that she got um, at a pawn shop for like $100. And as we were meeting in our group, the head of center Will was meeting with this young man because he was trying to figure out his next steps because he really felt like he didn't have any money or what he was going to do next. And literally stopped that meeting to come over to give this camera to him so he could continue his work. um, And, you know, just God worked in so many ways, but that was one that we got to see firsthand.
0: Love it. Yeah. Thank you for your yes. obedience. Thank you for sharing Thank with us you. this morning. <laughs> Harry and Echo Vanderwall. Uh Harry is a physician uh, from Idaho. Echo is a physician's assistant from Michigan. And they met while they were in school, and as they began to date, they both realized that God had called them to be medical missionaries. And so basically straight out of school, they went to Eswatini. And at the time, that was the height of the HIV and AIDS crisis. And they went there to basically serve, find a way that they could to, you know, provide medical care to people. They built a little two-bedroom medical clinic. You see a picture of it here. This was in 2005. And they began to send out team members out into villages to provide medical care. And they saw their practice begin to grow. They saw their staff begin to grow and impact more and more people. In 2013, they acquired what is now called the Miracle Campus. A dozen buildings, over 700 staff, serving hundreds of patients every day. An absolute get-out-of-the-boat story. God is using them in miraculous ways, and I could spend an hour telling you stories of how God has been faithful to their mission and to their call. To their employees, they remind them daily with signs and in team meetings. Compassion is an unlimited resource in a resource-limited world. As God brings Harry and Echo to your mind, pray for them. They're in a battle, there are organizations that do not want to see them succeed and yet they are serving thousands of people in Eswatini and providing unbelievable healthcare. If you want to experience a miracle, you have to be willing to be an agent of change. Another organization that um, we were able to see and one that Streets of Africa has supported for the last three years is a shelter for young girls who have been abused by family members, mostly sexual abuse by family members. And so these girls are pulled out of their homes, they're rescued, and in most cases they will never go back because they go back into that family situation, the abuse will either start up or they'll be killed. And I can't show the video for those of you watching online. We'll see a video here in a moment of the girls at this center. I can't give details because we have this online today about the name or the people involved with it, but what I can tell you is that I was able to see firsthand young girls whose childhoods were ripped away from them because of the abuse that they experienced. And through the team at the Hope Center was able to instill in them the love of Jesus and to see that there is a way for them to see life, to see joy, to experience happiness, to know that they could have people in their lives that they could trust. One of our team members spent multiple days at the center with the children while the rest of the team was out doing things. Melissa is a trained dance instructor and a dancer herself, and so she worked with the girls for several days before our entire team came to visit, and we toured, and they quoted Bible verses for us, and they sang for us, and then we got to experience this. To relate to some of these examples that you've heard i pray that you would be inspired to move and it doesn't mean that you have to go to africa or around the world our friends and neighbors right here at home need to know that they are loved need to feel cared for and it takes us being obedient and stepping out of our comfort zones to show Christ's love this morning I'm sure that we have people at various places in their journey I know that we have believers who are on mission who are out serving here at church out in the community and my prayer for you is that you will just continue to do that keep your eyes focused on Jesus carry out the calling that he's put on your life. Look for new adventures. We have people here who have accepted Christ, but maybe they haven't found their calling, they haven't found their adventure yet. What is that mission? I know that our team here at North Point were able to work with you and help you find those areas where you can plug in and serve. We want to invite you to do that. We may have people here this morning or watching online who have not yet accepted Jesus Christ as their leader, savior, and forgiver. That first moment of obedience, accepting his call to salvation. If that's you this morning, we're here to talk with you, to pray with you, As the worship team makes their way up, we're going to just spend a couple of minutes in prayer. I would just ask that you just take a position of prayer. Whether it's right there at your seat, you can sit, you can stand, you can kneel, you can come up front for just a short moment. I want it to just be you and your creator. And just as Jesus did, be still and listen. God, we thank you for Peter's obedience. We thank you, Lord, for the incredible example that he showed trusting in you. We thank you for the calling that you put on his life and the incredible impact that he made for your kingdom. I pray, Lord, that each of us would answer that call. i pray that we'd be obedient and follow you to be kingdom changers lord there may be people here this morning who are needing to meet you again to restore the joy of their salvation and i pray lord that you would give them the confidence perhaps they're in the stormy seas right now Lord. let them know that you will reach down and pull them out say i am with you until the ends of the earth. There may be those here this morning who need to meet you for the first time and say, Jesus, I accept you as my leader, savior, and forgiver. I need you. I am a sinner. I call out to you now to rescue me and let me walk with you. I pray, Lord, that you would give though anyone listening in the sound of my voice the confidence to make that decision. Lord, we thank you for this time together this morning. We thank you for your word. We put our trust in you and we give you all praise and all glory. In the name of Jesus, Amen.